Praise the Lord. We welcome you to our live broadcast this Sunday, November 28, 2021. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we thank you for this time, this opportunity to be in your presence and to present your word to all who are hearing and who are here. Bless every heart. Make them receptive to your word. And may your word grow in them and manifest that for which this broadcast is being made today. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to lead and guide. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ upon every place. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. The instrumental is taken from our brother Caleb Brassi. May the Lord continue to bless him and enlarge his cause. Working with God's series, we have covered five, which is the first panel there. So we go to the next panel. Paul, Apostle to the Gentiles, work with God. That's our the subject for today. Next Sunday, we'll be those few who work with God when apostasy has set in. And then, of course, the eight-week few work with God in the slavery era. And then, of course, nine, which will be few who are working with God in the 21st century world. Paul, apostle to the Gentiles, worked with God. Praise the Lord. Commentary on today's broadcast. Last Sunday's broadcast was the lost apostles worked with God. Those 12 apostles. Judas Iscariot is excluded, but Matthias is included, so that's still 12. Have been with the Lord in the flesh while on earth. They interacted with him, they ate with him, they had him, they saw the signs and wonders, they also saw him crucified, but they saw him as the resurrected Lord and Savior. After Pentecost, the lost apostles first started witnessing in Jerusalem. Then from there to all of Judea, which is the province of Judea, the Roman province of Judea, and then to Samaria, and to other parts of the world, just as the Lord had commanded them in Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 to 20 and Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Please read those up on your own. Eleven of these twelve apostles paid the price for their witnessing with their lives. Only John, the brother of James, died from natural causes. Throughout this, their ministry, the Holy Spirit guided apostles and the other eyewitnesses of the Lord's ministry and of his resurrection as they walked with God. Some went east, others went west, others north, others south. Just as the Spirit directed them, not as they wanted to go to one city or the other where they can collect money from people. They were going to preach the gospel. But the apostle we're going to speak today is special. He's special because he's like you and I. Because he did not follow the Lord while on earth. All of us have something in common with this apostle who never saw the Lord in the flesh. 
but yet went on to be one of the main architects of the gospel in the 21st throughout the centuries. Simply because he also had a personal encounter with the resurrected Lord. If you are a follower of Christ, please hear me well, my brothers and sisters. And you have not had a personal encounter with your Lord and Savior. You need to re-examine your heart and answer these questions. Two of them. Have I truly believed and accepted him as my Lord? But if I did accept him, am I still entangled with the world? Because that is the, proper, the problem that many people don't have. We're going to see from this apostle that he broke all linkages with the world. And that's why he is our example today. Praise the Lord. We hope that this broadcast will help all of us. Those who have never had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Savior and Lord. To see the need to recommit your life to him today. And break off that yoke with the world. It is Paramount friendship with the world's enmity with God. I hope at some point the Lord will give us the grace to speak to you about really how you can walk in the world and yet be a faithful servant of the Lord. Because breaking the yoke with the world is a necessary condition. Because it is the one that shows that the world has no longer any hold over you. The Lord always reveals himself, note this please, to those who have burned their bridges to the world. And when, for those whose only hope is in him. If your hope is only in Christ, of course he will reveal himself to you. Because he knows that the world, you have turned your back to the world. Next item, persecutor of followers of Christ. This apostle we are going to speak about was a chief persecutor of the followers of Christ. First scripture, please. Acts chapter 7, verse 58b. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Praise the Lord. Next one, please. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Praise the Lord. In Acts chapter 8 and 9, you read all of them, <clears throat> you see how Paul. Saul is the same as Paul. He's both called Saul and he's also called Paul. Was a chief persecutor of the apostles and other people who are witnessing Christ. So, let's see. What changed? Next item. Saul has a personal encounter with the risen Lord. See, that's what made the difference. Read, please. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. 
he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Praise the Lord. The Lord appeared to him in a vision on the road and he had his voice. He was going to, you know, bring many of God's followers into, put them in prison. But at this moment, he confronts the Lord. Because God would have seen his heart that this person has zeal but lack knowledge. So, he decided to give him that chance. Because Saul could still have rejected the Lord. But Saul obeyed, if you continue to read Acts chapter 9. Let's continue. Paul, apostle to the Gentiles. We're going to item 4. Scripture, please. Acts chapter 22, verse 3. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. Praise the Lord. This is a man who is well versed in Judaism, in Jewish laws and customs. So he's a very educated man of his day. Two, the next scripture, please. Romans chapter 15, verse 16. I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Paul had accepted the Lord. And Ananias came and healed him of his blindness. And from that moment, Paul became so zealous that they wanted to kill him. I had to now leave Jerusalem after going from Antioch to Jerusalem to his country of Tarsus. And there he stayed for many years, studying the scriptures. He prepared himself for ministry. Comparing what he knew of the Old Testament or what was then the what was the law and the prophets and God must have ministered and was ministering to him and he was bringing the, his knowledge the head and his heart for God into a context and God is going to use this apostle to turn Christianity from being a Jewish Christian sect into a worldwide following of Christ. That's the point that needs to be made. Since I'm a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. Who were the Gentiles? Everybody who was not a Jew was a Gentile. And were regarded as sinners by the Jews. So, Paul is the one that opened the door for Gentiles. The Holy Spirit is working, but he needed the human agent to be the one who will follow through, no matter the consequences. Praise the Lord. Next scripture, please. Acts chapter 17, verse 1 and then verse 6. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. Verse 6. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, 
these who have turned the world upside down have come here to praise the Lord Paul's ministry to the Gentiles is causing a havoc in the whole Gentile world and as they see Paul this they say this is the enemy of the God the enemy of the Jews the person that is promoting this heretical uh, sect these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. If you have testimony of mine and know that we are turning the world upside down, we've got a problem. Next scripture, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 33. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind. Continue reading. I pick something. To talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and being exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rocks. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Verse 26. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. 27. I have labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. 29. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. Praise the Lord for such faithful servant. Paul is, was a man who labored so much and suffered for the gospel of Christ. A man like you and I, a human being like you and I, who hated anything about Christ. But when he got converted, had a personal encounter with the resurrected Lord. He was never the same again. He disdained the world, turned his back on the world, and God opened the doors for him to minister. But in that ministry, not to give him jets to ride or horses to ride, he suffered. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews. In danger from Gentiles, see both Jew and Gentile hated him. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. Worst of all, in danger from false believers. You know, that's the worst one. Verse 27, he said, I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger. I have known thirst. I've often gone with your food. I've been cold and naked. Paul's testimony, Paul wasn't boasting. He's trying to tell you and I what to expect if we genuinely want to serve Christ. 
So when you have all these worldly prosperity preachers who are deceiving people every day, this will be the testimony against them on the last day. They have presented Christ, a false Christ that gives wealth. No. Why didn't God send chariots to continue carrying Paul from one place to the other? Why did he allow him to suffer so much? Because he wants you and I to know that all that live God in Christ Jesus must suffer persecution. Yet every day in the din of every place, all of us hear and cheer, praise the Lord when they give you falsehood from your pulpits. This will be a testimony against them on the last day. All the false pastors and preachers, Paul will be, his statement and testament will be a witness against all of you. This is a man that has broken heart for souls. In verse 20, I say, who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not burn inwardly. The heart of a true servant of God. Next item. Growth of the Gentile church is the result of Paul's faithful work with God. You see, God opens a door, but he needs a man or woman to walk with him and do the needful. Had Paul not repented, yeah, there would have been a Gentile church eventually, God would have somebody else. But through Paul, many things were brought into focus. Even some of the things people are trying to bring into the church today, like laws on tithes, that's laws on giving. Paul tried to debunk all those things with his lifestyle and his teachings. They wanted you to be circumcised. So many of those things. So we're going to read a very long verse, a long scripture here now. Bear with me today. Because when I read about this young man and all the things he did, I born in my soul and I said, Lord, may I give me a heart like Paul. May I walk with him no matter the circumstances. And all my hearers, all those who hear this gospel through this ministry, who have believed or who are going to believe, or who already believe us but have now known that the way of the Lord is through this way. May they all walk like Paul. May they have a heart for a servant of God like Paul. Praise the Lord. Galatians 5, chapter 5, verses 1 to 18. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Verse 3. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For, for if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. 6. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. 9. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, 
why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. 17. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. 18. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Praise the Lord! As a result of Paul's work with God, his studies of the scripture, remember he's studying Judaism, the laws and the prophets, but he's using it now to know, having known the resurrected Lord, God is using him to develop the true doctrines for the Gentile church. He was able to challenge the pre-understandings of the apostles. Many of them remember were illiterate. Though the lost apostles have been with the Lord, some of them were still clinging to some of the practices in Judaism. They were making a mismatch of Judaism and the cross. And so this particular expose he made, a sermon, is very important because men and women of the belly, those are four GOs, jets riding GOs and pastors, have brought the law back in order to tangle again into a yoke, into bondage for their own pleasures. Not because, and look, I don't know what else to say. Paul led the church to convince the apostolic church. Remember the church of the apostles. That Christ's death was not for Jews alone. But for all humanity. And God confirmed his apostleship with signs and wonders. The Holy Spirit used him. To elucidate. To bring to light aspects of the gospel. That the uneducated found difficult to apprehend. Paul was able to make what appeared complex, simple. Because he had knowledge, but he had understanding. He had a love for souls. He had a love for God. So God used him mightily. In fact, Paul wrote nearly half of the books of the New Testament. Yet he was not with the Lord. For one who didn't follow Jesus while he was on earth. One who was a persecutor of the faith before his encounter with the resurrected Lord. His zeal was unmatched. Nobody could match his zeal. Whoever has encountered the resurrected Lord ought to have similar zeal, you and I. In the scripture we just read, verse 1 says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery of the law. Do you get that? 
Isn't that what your GOs and pastors, false leaders are making you? Bringing tithes into the church. Bringing more that you must give. No, you don't have to give. Except the Lord lets you have what to give. And it will come from you, not from them. Giving you a command to give. Then they liken it to verse 3. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, and I said today, if you are trying to find favor with God by going to church and giving tithes and giving large offering to your pastors, you are wasting your time. Because you are then bound to obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses, including sacrifice of animals. Verse 4. Those of you who go and continue to defend paying tithes, I'm saying today, you are, verse 4 says, you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law. You have been cut off from Christ. You can I have talked to some people, some of you, even some very well meaning. Oh, you know, I have to do this, man. That's why I feel, I feel led. No, you are not led. You are being led by your selfishness, not because you want to serve God. The Bible says that you are falling away from God's grace. So those of you who pay tithes are falling from God's grace because you are missing the law and the grace. Law and grace cannot coexist because Christ is the end of the law. The cross nullified everything. You belong to God 100%. Christ owns everything you have locked by barren. Nothing you should spend should not be with his approval. Nothing you should give should not be with that, but not to give it to wicked men and women who are stealing in order to enrich themselves and their families. Verse 6. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in giving tithe and offering to anybody. Here he said there's no being being circumcised, being circumcised. Yes. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. How about carrying all that money you have? Continue to give it to the poor around you. Why don't you do that? But not do it because so that God will bless you. No. Do it because you are led to give to the poor. Verse 9. All this is false teaching like yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. That's what has happened. Prosperity gospel, so-called prosperity, has spread there is a cancer. And God will judge all who promote it. You have been called to live in freedom. Verse 13. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Love your neighbor as yourself. When your neighbor is lacking, you will know because God will lay it to your heart and you help your neighbor. Not because God is going to give you anything for it. And what did God give Paul? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole law and the prophets. But don't do it because so that God will bless you. No. Do it because you have a heart of God. Christ in you wants to do the good. Not because you, the fallen nature, is wants to say, I've done it so you feel good with yourself. Verse 16. It says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you will not be doing what your sinful nature creates. You're saying only bringing past things, trying to make you feel guilty so you can do this, so you can appease God. No, you can't appease God. None of our righteousness can ever appease God. In fact, our righteousness is sin before God. Our righteousness must be that of the righteousness of Christ, walking through us to the glory of God. Praise the Lord. Verse 18. It says, when you are directed by the Spirit, that's the summary of what I'm trying to say. You are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Not obligated to circumcision, to tithe, to offering, to anything. No. 
Because the Spirit of God will lead you into where to go, what to do, and when to do. That's the point I'm trying to make. I'm not saying, telling all is yours. He's saying, have everything, have a faith. No, what you have is not yours anymore, it's God's own. But He will direct you when you are faithfully walking with Him. Praise the Lord. I pray that many of you will become like Paul. I pray that many of us will become like Brother Paul. Because that's the only way this gospel is going to reach this 21st century, this convoluted world. So we go to the next one. Paul's testimony is worthy of emulation. Scripture, please. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise the Lord. Next one. I want to know Christ, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Praise the Lord. These two scriptures have combined them. A true follower of Christ is one that wants to inherit eternal life. He is one that scorns the world and worldliness. I'm addressing you now, if you are one of those. Please keep these two scriptures in your heart. But if you are not, and the world still tempts you and draws you away, confess, go back to the cross and start afresh. Because first, your life is no longer yours. That's what the first scripture is saying. It belongs to the Lord, which is what I've been saying here too. It belongs to the Lord. That's what Brother Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. The life I now live is no longer mine, but Christ that lives in me. Then number two, there says, you must be ready to suffer and even die for the Lord and his mission. That's the mindset, to be willing to suffer for Christ. To identify in his sufferings and his death. By living an unworldly life. Opposite of worldly life. See, Paul had a heart for souls. That's why he went about preaching the gospel. Without expecting any compensation. Though sometimes he received gifts, but he was not importuning people to send gifts to him. They were freely giving. Oftentimes Paul walked with his hands because he was a tent maker. And he supported not just himself, but his fellow workers. But the reverse today is what? You are Jews and pastors asking you to give them. Scripture, please. Acts chapter 20, verses 33 and 30 to 35. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Praise the Lord. Let's look at the next scripture. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7 to 10. For you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. 8. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you. 9. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, or we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Praise the Lord. Please. If you're a child of God, 
imitate Brother Paul, not your so-called geos and pastors. This Paul said I was not idle. I never accepted anything from anybody without paying for them. If he goes to a restaurant, he pays. Not, oh, our brother pastor has come. Take it free. No. He walked with his bare hands. But let me make a point here. For those who really have faithful pastors, who are walking in the Lord's vineyard, who are humble, who are not spending money on themselves and their families, you must support them. Please note that. The problem I have is when you are supporting the so-called worldly prosperity pastors who are preaching falsehood, trying to make you give them money, promising you 100% return. Those are false. They are just, they are just, they are like the corn men and women all over the world today. They are corn men and women. But if you are faithful men and women of God in your area, you know genuinely they are serving God. They have not asked you for anything, but they are right there doing the work of God. I let you give them. Please go ahead and do that. But don't do it because of anything else, because God is going to give you anything. No. You are doing it because you are a faithful servant of God. So please always note that. So when I speak from this pulpit, I'm against those prophets, those pastors, those jet-trotting teachers who continue to promote worldly prosperity. I'm not against at all. I love all faithful brothers and sisters who are pastors or ministers of the gospel, who are serving God faithfully, who are promoting and telling you that repent or perish. Yes. Who are always uplifting the cross of Christ and asking you to imitate them because their lifestyle is unworldly. Their lifestyle is simple. They are not ostentatious. Please note that. Lest we miss the point so that you think, no, God will lay it in your heart what to do, what not to do. Maybe you are going to a, a building, it's thatched roof, and God says, why do you go and do, put on some uh, corrugated iron sheets? God will tell you, and you have the means, you go and do it. And not for anything else, but do it anonymously if you can. Praise the Lord. Next scripture, please. First Corinthians chapter 4, verses 10 to 12. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. But you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. 11. Even now we go hungry and thirsty and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn a living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. Praise the Lord. Please. If you know any of these prosperity pastors and Jews, no matter how highly placed, don't be afraid. If you are led, go to them. Tell them to stop. Now they should emulate Paul's example. They should preach without charging their followers. How are they charging their followers? Always asking for donations and offerings from the pulpit. It's more like charging people to hear the good news. Don't you think so? Yes. Why must you be announcing donations? We have this from the pulpit. Why? Preach the gospel from the pulpit, please. Stop abusing the word of God. Like I've said before, pastors and prayers should be held by those they minister to. It should not be by compulsion. Then the people give as God asks them to. Not as the pastor or preacher asks. And if you're a minister because you want to be collecting, 
You are in the wrong place. Scripture, please. First Corinthians chapter 9, verses 14 to 18. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet I have never used any of these rights. And I am not writing this to suggest I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. 17. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice, for God has given me this secret trust. 18. What then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The scripture is self-explanatory. It's all a summarization of what we've been talking about. We see Brother Paul contended for the gospel of Christ very vigorously. When he goes into a place, he doesn't require anything from those people, lest they think he's there because he wants to collect money from them. So he decided to deny himself, even that's right, that a preacher of the gospel could be supported. But like I've told you the instances, not when people are collecting it to enrich their families and build a worldly kingdom. But the point I'm trying to bring the next segment to be, he was unafraid to speak the truth and to challenge anyone, which is what I'm saying. If you know your geo pastor is a worldly prosperity pastor, go to him or her if you're really a child of God. Don't be afraid. Pray to God first, and if he leads you, please go. And bring these things to his attention or attention. Because you think they may know, they don't know, maybe. So if you see anybody preaching or teaching in a manner contrary to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, anybody promoting worldly prosperity is against the cross of Christ. People will say, why is this man always talking about this? It's because it is what is preventing many people from really accessing the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The day you do that, the day you forego all that nonsense of worldly prosperity, you are going to find the ministry that God has called you into. He's going to open the vistas of heaven for you to now undertake the journey that for which he called you even before you were conceived. Praise the Lord. Scripture, please. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 16. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians, who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws, and are living like a Gentile. Why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God 
by obeying the law. Praise the Lord. Does that speak to you? Remember, these are apostles who were there, who saw the Lord, ate with him, drank with him. But they were becoming hypocritical. And God used Brother Paul to challenge Brother Peter. Do you see where I'm coming from? If you are truly a child of God, you will be unafraid to speak truth to power. To speak truth no matter whose ox is God. That's the quality of a believer in Christ. You are not afraid to speak the truth. So go to your pastors and tell them the truth. Because they are deceiving so many. I know some people try to go through their sermons and you never hear from this pulpit. However, you know, the Spirit of God has told you what this man or woman is saying from the pulpit is wrong. When he tells you that, it's not for you to keep quiet. Go and tell that person prayerfully. If they communicate to you, good, good for them. But at least on the last day, you will not say that you were a coward. We're going to sing a song to bring everything into finality. Because Jesus lives, that's the only reason we're here. God sent his son, they called him Jesus, Yeshua. He came to love, to heal and to forgive us our sins. He lived and died to buy your pardon and my pardon. There was an empty grave. Now what proves that my Savior, your Savior lives? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I can face today, and that's why I'm here. I face today, I face tomorrow, and I'll face it forever until he calls me home. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Don't think I'm not afraid. I wasn't afraid at some point in my life. Because I know my God holds the future. Life is worth the living. Just because he lives. What can anybody do? Praise the Lord. It's sweet to hold a newborn baby. And feel the pride he or she gives. But greater say the calm assurance this child can face on certain days because Christ Jesus lives. So you're not afraid for your children and grandchildren. Pray for them. And trust God that He will see them through. Because He lives. Thank you, Jesus. Tomorrow, and you can face tomorrow and continuous because he lives. All fear is gone, and you should have no fear. Confront them wherever they are, tell them the truth because I know he holds the future, and life is what they live in because Jesus lives. And then one day, yeah, time is coming. I will cross the river. One day to you will cross that river. When death comes. I will fight life's final war with pain. But by God's grace, he's there with me. And then as death gives way to victory, because physical death means nothing for the child of God. Because you are going to eternal bliss. 
I will see the lights of glory. And I know he lives. And that should be your prayer. That should be our hope. That should be everything you and I desire. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Children of God, we can face tomorrow in this dying world. We can confront the palace of darkness. We should not be afraid of human beings. We should speak the truth at all times. Nothing can by any means hurt you. That's God's word because Jesus lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Our Father and our God, your Son lives. The glory and honor are all His. Lord, I thank you for today that you raised a man called Paul to bring the gospel to the Gentile nation. All the apostles did too, but you used him magnificently to open the doors that were no longer subject to the laws, but subject to only the Lord who is our Savior. Yet men and women of the belly have crept in and brought in law again because they want to collect money from their followers. Father, I see pray. And I continue to pray, Lord, when will you pull them down? When will all the world poly prosperity preachers and teachers stop? Like the prophets of Baal, when is it time for them to be cast out if they fail to repent because they are causing trouble? They are causing so much trouble, especially in the third world countries. They are making people to be poorer, both physically and spiritually. They are stealing from the poor and enriching themselves and are telling them that their God, the God of Mammon, which is what they are serving, is helping them. But are using your name, Lord. When will you, my Father, my God, act and pray, my Father, my God, destroy the citadels of evil, destroy the citadels of Mammon, O oh Lord, my God, to free your people from the bondage. The captive, because these men have known and women that greed sells and we greed that drawing millions into their buildings, the God churches. Father, you raised us. Manifest your power, Lord, in the hearts of all you that hear us, Lord. Remove all the things that continue to be impediments in their life. Open their eyes and their ears, Lord, and as they walk with you, Lord, let them begin to have a heart like our brother Paul. A heart that yearns, a heart that continuously so zealous, willing to die, willing to suffer, willing for whatever, for the cross, because of you, my Father. Because your son, Jesus, lives. Because he died and rose for justification and conferred his righteousness on us. That's why we have access to your throne of mercy. Have mercy on us, especially your children in bondage. Open their eyes that the yoke will be broken. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. I will see you people next Sunday. I again plead, read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. That's a key that no one will ever deceive you. So you can begin to teach others.